0: So, I want to explain this concept and why I came up with the 67 steps to becoming a millionaire. Uh, some of you know me already and what I do. For those of you who don't, you know, I've been an entrepreneur since I was about 18 years old. I've, uh, traveled to 51 countries, had five mentors, three multi-million dollar guys, you know, world-changing kind of influential guys like Joel Salatin. I've had two of them were like at the billion dollar level. And more importantly, you know, I've gotten, uh, now at this point, I travel around the world. I get top people in any industry. I talk them into doing a 50/50 business with me. So I'm partnered with about 12 different top entrepreneurs everywhere, from you know people making million dollars a month to million dollars a day, and uh, friends, partners. You know I do consulting. Uh, of course, I am an investor in my own businesses. And so over this time, I've kind of accumulated. Uh, you know, since I was 18 and through the work I've done and more importantly, through great people, you know, like uh, like, uh, Sir Isaac Newton said, if I'm great, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. These ideas I'm going to give you are much more powerful than ideas that just come from me alone. They're the distillation and the, the, the condensing of what I see out there in the world um, I also, for some of you, are on my book of the day club. I've got 1.5 million people in 40 countries on my book of the day. I read a book a day. I've got thousands of books. Read, you know, three, four, five thousand books. I write a summary, send that out, um, and you know, this is kind of the compilation of all that. This question of causation versus correlation—what makes some people so successful? I, I did a radio interview just a few minutes ago, and, I, and the, the interviewer was asking me, "You know, what is it that I, he says? I meet this guy who's poor, and I meet this guy who's not, and and what's the difference? I can't tell." And I said, "Look, the question of causation and correlation is very difficult. What is it that actually would make you highly successful versus?" All the people who try and fail. That's what this is about. I want to share with you the methodology. This is the beginning. Uh, you know, I wanted to record something to really explain it because like Einstein says, you want things to be simple, but not simpler than they should be. You know, I see things online, these get rich quick schemes on like the three steps to becoming a millionaire. And all I have to say to that is, If you don't know who the sucker in a room is, you're the sucker. If you believe there's just three things you do to become a millionaire, you're a sucker. And you never want to be the sucker. So, you know, I say 67. I think in my, I keep a board. I train, I've got this Millionaire Mentor Academy and I train, which I started back in 2004 to train my own employees in the companies that I have. And, you know, there's actually hundreds of frameworks that I put on a board uh, that, I've accumulated over time. You know the book by Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad? Well, I had a dad and a stepdad and neither one was rich, so I don't have that story, but I'll tell you what I have. I have rich friends and I have poor friends. I got lots of rich friends and lots of poor friends. And uh, you know, I don't determine my friends just by how much money they make. So I have this wide variety of friends, and what I've learned is there is a definite difference in the frameworks of thought, outlook, perspective Uh, that the rich friends have. So I'm gonna share with you there. And that's, so I've got this board, hundreds of things, and I've decided to bring it down and condense it into just 67. Why 67? Well, there's 66, uh, uh, they say it takes about 66 days to form a new habit. A lot of times you would hear in the past people say you form a habit in 30 days. The newest science says it takes about 66 days. So I added one more for good luck. That's where I came up with 67. Okay? Obviously it's an arbitrary number. There's, you know, like I say, I, I there's actually like two or three hundred steps I think to becoming highly successful. Uh, but I I decided to I combined. Some of them into one and I've gotten it down to just 66 or 67 of them. Now let me just say some of you are listening and your goal is not to become a millionaire. I use the word millionaire both literally and figuratively. Okay. Because in the world we live in millionaire of all the tests I've ever done and split testing millionaire has one of the highest. Uh, most positive connotations of any word. But for some of you listening, you're going to be the next Martin Luther King, Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa. You're going to change the world through philanthropy, humanity, activism. And this is also for you. Okay, some of you are going to be the next Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. You're going to change the world and make a ton of money and be able to allocate capital along the way. Some of you, right, are going to be the next Oprah Winfrey changing I uh, focusing on social aspects, right? You're going to do, you may not make a billion dollars, but your goal is to change family, friendships, love, relationships. This is also for you. Some of you listening are health people. You, you know, I, I just read a uh, total recall by Arnold Schwarzenegger, one of the great books of all time about a, a man who's been very successful. He's human, made some mistakes, but who cares? So have I, so have you. So we move on and we get the things that are great from his life and whether it's uh, him, you know, Dr. Oz, whatever it is, Jillian Michaels. If your destiny is to change the world through health, and God knows it, the world needs it. I read 60% of people in America are either overweight or obese. We're coming to a time where 50% of people, of children and adults, may be diabetic or pre-diabetic. We need those people, and what you're about to hear Applies. This applies to any level of success. So you can substitute the word millionaire for whatever it is that's your destiny. Like John Wooden says, we're in a competition with ourself. The ultimate end all goal is not just a million dollars. You know, I've been poor and I've made some money in my day, right? I've lived with the Amish for two and a half years with no electricity, no cars and seen the joys and the happiness of community and simple life. I've lived in You know, mansions in Beverly Hills with Ferraris and Maseratis and had multi-million dollar businesses and so on. So I've seen the gamut. There's no one thing that brings the good life. I call it the good life. You know, what we're talking here is about uh, the grand theory of everything. That's what I've been trying to figure out since I was 18. What is the causative effects? What are the things that cause uh, a success in whatever it is? What will make you live good, the good life? This 67 steps is part of the that grand theory of everything, that that goal of finding the good life. You must find the good life. Life is short. Like Chief like uh the poem by Chief Tecumseh. Love your life, perfect your life, beautify all things in your life. Seek to make your life long and its purpose in the service of your people. Right? That's what the goal of what I'm talking about is. For each of you, it will have a different message. I will tell you this as I go through the four things you need to be to live the good life which is part of the 67 steps the first thing you must have health without physical health you if you're sick in bed who cares I know how much money or how much love you have in your life or you will have no happiness you know I I know a guy he's a billionaire has a couple billion dollar net worth and he's got two private 747 jets but he's sick all the time in bed Who would want to be that guy? Would you want to exchange uh, for his two billion but be bedridden for the rest of your life? Of course not. It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You must perfect your physical health and that is part of the 67 steps to becoming a millionaire. In the book, uh, the survey uh, where they looked at millionaires in the United States, it's called The Millionaire Next Door. Being healthy is highly correlated with success. We're gonna talk about that later. Number two, you must perfect wealth acquisition, resources, money at some level. In your, uh, in your plight, in your life, you will and you must acquire resources and you must ex- acquire excess resources. In common language, by, what do I mean? I'm talking about money. I'm talking about cash. I'm talking about financial independence. Money laid aside in your bank account for a rainy day. Like the great basketball coach Sean Wooden says at UCLA, you know, you must, you must prepare for a rainy day. You must make more money when you're younger in order to provide for yourself when you're older, so you don't have to live off other people. Uh, we'll talk about what I call the four levels of financial uh, uh, status. The first is scarcity. That's what most people are in. The uh, Nobel Prize-winning uh, author, I think, Dan- Daniel Kahneman is his name. He spoke of, you know, under a brain scanner. If you make under, let's say, 80 to 100,000 dollars a year in the United States, your happiness will be down. You're in a position of scarcity, right? You don't need a billion dollars to be happy, but you need some level of financial independence. For those of you in scarcity, you must move to financial independence. For those of you in financial independence, let's say 80 to 200,000. Of course, it depends. You might be listening to this in a country where you don't need as much. I was just in Romania. Uh, investing in a business and you don't need to, it, you know, you, so scale it up or down depending where you live. If you live in Japan, you may need a little more. I went to Japan once and Apple was $15. So, uh, you know, then, so you've got scarcity, financial independence, then you can start getting into prosperity, right? That's when you start making high six figures up to seven figures. And then from there, you get into what I call wealth and impact. Look at Bill Gates, you know, say what you will about the man But he made $60 billion, created the Gates Foundation, created a second career of altruism, used the resources. He has done more good with his foundation than governments that have trillions of dollars at their disposal. He's getting close to eradicating malaria. He's working on tuberculosis, smallpox, things that have killed tens and hundreds of millions of people over the history of civilization. And he's working on them, one man, because he got to the fourth and final level, which is wealth and impact some of yous des- uh, some of your uh destiny in terms of those of you listening is to get to that level do not feel guilty just don't be uh a pig about your money right pigs get uh, or don't be a hog about your money pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered you can be somewhat uh self focused in your acquisition of money and resources but you don't want to be a hog no one likes a hog you must incorporate a bigger picture to your goals of making money. Third, social, it's part of the good life, health, wealth, third is social. There's a great book by the Harvard professor I just finished, uh, I think it's Levitin, I forget his name, but you can look it up on Amazon, social, and he talks about the wiring of our brain. The wiring of our brain is primarily social in nature, so you must perfect your family relationship, friend relationship, and romantic relationships, or you will not be happy. Freud in his great book, my favorite book by Sigmund Freud, or it's a treatise, an essay he did called Civilization as Discontents. He talks about the ways in which we find happiness, and love is one of those ways. And lastly, in this four-part good life, that, that, and remember, this is intricately, uh, integrally, uh, part of the 67 steps, is you must find happiness. And you'll do that First of all by having those first three foundational health, wealth, and your social life. Perfect it. Love your life. Perfect your life. Beautify all those three of those things. Then that last thing is happiness. That's the well-rounded part. Good book by Martin Seligman, the premier, you know, professor in the world right now, who wrote authentic happiness and other books on what makes us happy. You need these intangibles. Jonathan Haidt speaks of this in happiness hypothesis. You must become a little well-rounded. You need to know a little bit about art. You need to be able to play some music, you know? You need to read a little bit. You need to be interesting, travel a little bit. These well-rounded parts of you are all part of the good life. And lastly, you must have an element of altruism and charity in your life. Why not? I tell people, you know, do something for other people once a month. Mother Teresa says the reason that we are not happy is because we're looking for happiness within, but happiness, she says, is without. It's in doing things. And that's because there's science to this. If you're not religious or spiritual, there's pure science on the hardwiring of the human brain. Read evolutionary psychology, the best book I've ever read. And, you know, I'm, I'm publishing a book of the top 100 books and it's the number one book I've ever read by Dr. David Buss. He's a friend of mine. And, uh, In that, he speaks of you know, the way that our brains work. We're all geared, whether it's status, a self-esteem, all of these to be part of a bigger circle. So some level of altruism. I tell people, go down to an old folks' home. You know the crazy thing? There's no security at the door because these people are lost and forgotten. Go sit down in the lobby and talk to somebody who's 90 years old. You'll benefit and they'll benefit. That's called a pareto efficiency. They'll feel better right? Know that they're not lost and forgotten and you'll learn the wisdom of someone 90 years old. Make that part of your life. Why not? You need a little introspection. You need a little meditation to all these things make you a renaissance man or a renaissance woman. But I want to talk today. Primarily, we're going to talk on number two, wealth acquisition, 67 steps to becoming a millionaire. Okay? So. Like Jim Rohn says, not everybody's going to be a billionaire, not everyone's even going to be a millionaire. Listening to this, but you can all of us, you and I, can probably make a hell of a lot more money than we do now by achieving certain things in our life. Whether it be, like Peter Drucker says, knowing how to manage oneself in his great book, you know, managing oneself, it's called. Uh Whether it is partnering, understanding the power of partnering. Michael Eisner in his book, Working Together, talks about how almost all great businessmen and great businesswomen are in partnership. Bill Gates said, I never do anything alone except taking a test. You know, he had Paul Allen, he had Balmer, he partnered his way to the top. We're going to talk about things like that. So w- the way it's going to work, I'm going to give it in several parts because if I gave it all in this one talk, it would be a little bit long and overwhelming. But I want to talk about the big picture. And then in some of the subsequent talks you're gonna get, I'm gonna go through. I will not be able to go through all 67, okay? Those of you, uh, who do not have, if you're listening to this in various places, you may wanna go to my website, tylopez.com, and there's a link there where you, you should be able to find the 67 steps. We have a mind map we've created, where you could see the general framework of these 67 things. And if you haven't, if you've gotten the old map, we're continually updating it. My, one of the one of the frameworks, one of the steps in your success will be understanding the scientific process. Most of us grew up with a black or white, right or wrong, more religious, moralistic understanding of life. And I have nothing against religion. I have nothing against morals. But when it comes to getting an end result, the greatest understanding or framework of how to achieve it is. Or one of the great ones is the scientific theory, which is make a hypothesis, test it, observe the results, let other smart people see it, and then tweak it and start over again. So this 67 steps that you're listening to right now today is a work in progress. I will never be done with it. I will go to my grave consistently tweaking it. So if you haven't, if you've gotten in the past, I will have an updated one always on my website. Uh, a link to the the mind map and you can watch the continual evolution as i get feedback from smart people like you you know in my million and a half people that are on my book of the day i've got some of the smartest people billionaires and you know humanitarians and authors and scientists and my mentors are on there and sometimes they write me and they're like ty this is idiotic you know and i listen to them and i tweak what i if i if i get enough feedback i'm constantly in the mode of tweak never think in life about success and failure till you're dead, right? Ray a. Kroc, 52 years old, before he got the idea behind modern day McDonald's and grew it into, uh, you know, the biggest brand in the world and him becoming a billionaire or, or and the richest man in America. The guy who started Kentucky Fried Chicken didn't do it. I think he was 65, still living at five or 62, still living on 500 a month Social Security before he built an empire. So no matter what age you are, although it is always better to start younger. I pull no punches. Some of you will hear things that I say that may hurt your feelings, but let's all be tough. We need to toughen up. Better late than never. If you're listening to this and you're 70 years old, my grandma got remarried, found love at almost 80 years old when my grandfather died. She found love again. You're never too late as long as you're alive, but it's a hell of a lot better to be like Warren Buffett and start at seven. So if you're listening to this and you're, you know, young, start now. You never know if you're young or old. That's the key about life. Because when you're ten, you don't know if you'll live to twenty. So every day you should be in a hurry. But like John Wooden says, be quick, but don't be in a hurry. Right? So I should change what I just said actually. You want to be quick, but you don't want to be in a rush. Joel Salton used to tell me, make haste slowly. So where you are now, you need to start immediately, but you must understand that there's a time frame that must happen. The average billionaire takes 12 to 20 years. Even the average millionaire takes longer than people think. Many people give up. The, the, I think it was Lao Tzu or an ancient Chinese uh, saying that says the temptation to give up is often greatest when you're about to succeed. Right? There's a time to give up. Like the old saying is that time to hold them, time to fold them. Life's a little bit like a poker game. There's some fate and there's some chance to it, but you still, if you learn, and that's what we're going to be learning, these 67 steps. That's actually one of the frameworks that I teach that you're about to learn is, you know, the poker mentality. I don't even like to play poker, but I realize life is very much like poker. That's why uh, there's a great book called uh, How to Become a Billionaire. I think it's by Martin Friedson or Friedman. It's a former VP at Merrill Lynch. <laughs> great book. I read it every couple of years and he highlights and goes through what has made – empires and one of the things a lot of them play games of chance because it teaches you a lot about life that's one of the things we're going to talk about more in depth so big picture here when i say frameworks make sure you understand what i'm saying there's 25 according to charlie Munger, that one of the you know bill gates and warren buffett say he's the smartest guy on the planet i think he's one of the most amazing Humans, I just uh, saw him, he's like 90 years old, I went to the Berkshire Hathaway annual shareholder meeting, I'm a shareholder meeting, 15,000 amazing investors there in a coliseum and Charlie Munger, and I was funny, I was down on the floor, and five, I was just next to Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, and Munger, like five feet away from me, you know, these guys have a trillion dollars in business valuation about, just about, and, and they control, I don't know, you know, their businesses control 8% of the US economy or something like that. But they do it with humility and a level of, uh, wisdom that's uncanny. You know, there was a very wealthy billionaire alive not too long ago, Muammar Gaddafi, the dictator of Libya, and he took billions of dollars. I read a book about his story. He's a horrible person. I mean, he's as horrible as guys like Adolf Hitler in terms of what he did. You know, he didn't cause a world genocide, a world war, but he just did horrible things. He took the money that he had, the resources he had and did horrible things. To all kinds of women in the country, in the country overall. So, you know, it can be, in the contrast bias, it could be very horrible. But you look at guys like Buffett and Bill Gates, they are not perfect. You know, they've done, I'm sure, plenty of things wrong. But in general, what they could be doing, they're in contrast to some of the people I've had access to money. So if you listen to Charlie Monger, one of the things that he says in terms of wealth acquisition, he says, the reason that I made a billion dollars is because I understand that there's a series of mistakes humans make. There's, He says there's 25 cognitive biases that cause humans to make mistakes. There's probably more. He's distilled them down to 25. Um, So, you know, Cialdini talks about some of these different psychologists. You must understand that there's two main ways that anyone's ever successful. Only two things. This is as simple as I'll get. It's not the specific steps. It's general broad things. The two things that define success, whether it be health, wealth, love, or happiness, are a plan and execution. You can have a good plan and bad execution and you will fail. Many people have a bad plan and good execution. That's almost the worst Joel Salatin, my used to tell me, Ty, there's nothing worse than being good at the wrong thing. Most people live lives of quiet desperation, getting better and better and building skill day by day in their job at something that they hate and something that they shouldn't be doing. You never want that to be you, right? So the way to get there is you must perfect the plan and perfect the execution. These 67 steps are mental frameworks, primarily focused on the plan, although uh, execution it comes with time and skill building, but it must start in the mind. Now, I'm not somebody super big into the power of positive thinking uh or, you know, the secret or I think there's some truth to them, but the devil's in the details. In general, they've actually done studies and surveys of well, I just read one of the biggest studies ever done on entrepreneurs and it said in general the average uh um billionaire is a little more pessimistic, but there's different kinds of pessimism. They are pessimistic about day-to-day things and optimistic about the end game. I call that, that's one of the frameworks, the faith. Uh Conrad Hilton, I just finished his book, The Hiltons, or not his book, a book about him. He's the guy who started the Hilton Empire hotel chain, real estate mogul, billionaire, great-grandfather of Paris Hilton. The other day I was... Yesterday, actually, I was playing basketball out on my street. I live up here. A lot of celebrities. Cameron Diaz is my neighbor. Katy Perry used to live up here. Russell Brand. Uh, uh what's his name uh, from something about Mary? Um, can't remember his name right now. I'll remember in a second. Uh, Ben Stiller. Oh, thank you. And then, but uh, Paris Hilton drove by in her Mercedes. Yesterday I was playing basketball and I was just thinking, and Ben Stiller too, he, you know, I live on a curve and I play basketball up here in the Hollywood Hills and, uh, Ben Stiller almost hit me in his white BMW. It was funny. I swear I looked up and, you know, don't hit me. And he looked at me and gave me the Zoolander face. It was pretty funny. He wasn't mad. I couldn't tell if he was mad or angry. That Zoolander face is kind of like in between. But anyway, back to what I was saying in terms of this concept of planning and executing, right? And having and, and, and the plan is about not necessarily the power of positive thinking. Like I said, Conrad Hilton said at 15 years old he picked up a book by Helen Keller and that book had a sentence on optimism and he took that and that got him through the time back, you know, after 1929. The big recession in the United States, stock market dropped, hotels, 90% of people in the hotel business went out of business, but he was able to hold on to one last hotel, all these hotels failing around him that he had started, and his own hotels, most of them failing, and he's left with just one hotel, but he had the faith and the optimism in the end game, but yet. You can be pessimistic in the short term. If I meet people going, oh, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm like, you know what? You don't have enough fear in your life. You must have a healthy dose and balance between optimism and fear. It's like Aristotle, the great philosopher and thinker said, the mentor of uh, Alexander the Great, the, the student of Plato and Socrates. He said to be angry is easy, but to be angry at the right person at the right time for the right reason, that is difficult. So for you to just be Optimistic or just be pessimistic is easy. but to be optimistic at the right time for the right reason, for the right extent and to know when is the right time to be pessimistic for the right reason, the right time that is it. that is wisdom, that is the balance that is part of these 67 steps that you must get into your brain. okay They are frameworks. They will get you started among the plan. Between planning and execution, planning is harder because the brain. If you understand the way that the brain works, there's a great book uh, that I was reading. Um, I'll try to remember the name. Uh, it, oh, think slowly, think quicks, think slow. I forget the exact name, but the Pulitzer Prize guy, or, or I think he won a Nobel Prize actually, and he talks about you know the way that our brains work. Uh, Some of it's evolved to think quickly. That's the more kind of instinctual, and some of it must be higher thinking, and you must know the difference between the two. We live in a world, remember, if you there's a famous person named Dunbar. It's called Dunbar's Number. Robin Dunbar was an anthropologist who studied the way that our brains adapted over time, over the last thousands of generations. You know, your grandma, your great-great-grandma, so on. It's passed on to you a way of thought genetically at a DNA level. I'm reading this book, Inheritance, on the DNA and how our DNA can actually change, how some is fixed, how some has changed. And so you and I have inherited a brain. I call it the the whisper of 10,000 generations in our ears. Every action you do, you're having a whisper. The problem is there's something that Dr. David Buss speaks of called evolutionary mismatch. What evolutionary mismatch means is that we live in a world we primarily were adopted, adapted to live in small villages. Dunbar's number says we're adapted to live in groups of about 150 people people 100 to 250 small villages but yet i'm here hollywood hills looking out of my uh out of my living room and there's uh, i see out on 14 million people live in this greater los angeles metropolitan area all the way down to san diego even more i think and so a lot of our adaptions of how you naturally think you gotta throw out in certain circumstances. That's hard for people to believe. A lot of people think all the truth is within. And boy, I will tell you, I've got a little challenge out there. Show me great people of the last 500 years who have changed civilization for the better, who did it by going into a cave and looking inward. It doesn't happen. I've had this challenge. Every person people have said, whether it's, you know, people say, well, what about Tesla? What about Eckhart Tolle? These people read their Wikipedia. They had mentors. They learned. Tesla had a photographic memory. He read immense volumes of work. So for you, the answers are not within. In fact, the answers are sometimes in tweaking and adjusting and ripping out some of your natural processes of thinking. You didn't naturally learn English. If you were left on a desert Island, born on desert Island with just enough food to survive for the next 20 years, you wouldn't suddenly be able to write and speak and add. It took humans thousands of years to figure out the concept of zero adding, subtracting took humans thousands of years to know that the world's round, not flat. I look out my, out from my house, it looks flat to me. It looks like there's an edge to it. Looks like there's an edge. But there isn't an edge. Right? Some of the world is counterintuitive. This book, uh, Think Like a Freak by Daniel Levitt, the one, the guy who wrote Freakonomics, he's talking about this. Some things are not what appear to the eye. For example, the concept of, uh, vaccines. The concepts that you could inject somebody with polio and therefore a small amount, the body make antibodies to solve the polio epidemic. That's counterintuitive. And on your quest in this 67 steps to making a million dollars or 67 steps to accomplishing whatever great goals and high-minded goals that you have, some of it's going to be counterintuitive and that's why you must start with humility. Humility. You know, I tell this story of Two stories of humility. Most people fail, and you will fail, and I will fail guaranteed if we do not know when to use humility and know as one of the frameworks you're going to learn is know who's in the room. You got to know who's in the room. You got to know when there's a time to talk and when there's a time to shut up. I was back in Mississippi when I was young and uh, learning from my mentors, and I I got excited. I got at this dinner table with Alan Nation, a guy named Gary Townsend, one of the – Richest guys in New Zealand. Uh, I think Gordon ha- Dr. Gordon Hazard was there. Some of the wealthiest people in the US and in and, and the world were there. And I was young and I was so excited. And I and I talked the whole time. Talk, 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 talk. And at the end of the dinner, Alan Nation put his arm around me and said, You and he these guys were all in their 50s and 60s. And he said, You know, Ty, sometimes there's nothing to say. That was his kind way of saying I should have shut up. I didn't know who was in the room. I talked. As if I was the smartest person in the room, but there's a time to shut up and there's a time to listen. That's one of the frameworks you're going to learn. People want simple steps. Oh, become a millionaire by investing in real estate. Oh, but that's not it. 440 or 450 self-made billionaires in the world, the largest category of them is not real estate. It's not in tech. It's not in making apps and Instagram. It's actually investors. And what's the difference between a good investor and the rest Of the world, it's a mindset. Investors think not as consumers, they think as return on investment. That's another framework you're about to learn. The concept of being an investor. If I can get that into your head because you and I have been lied to and turned into consumers – We're all consumers. Some of it's natural from the division of labor and modern economics that it is natural that at some level I'm not going to make my own clothes and build my own house. So there will be exchange of goods at a consumer level. But the world we live in now is taking it to an extreme. You must learn this. This is one of the steps you're about to learn. You cannot be a consumer. Do you think McDonald's has your best interest at heart? No. (laughs) If you eat at McDonald's as much as they want you to eat, you'll become a diabetic. You'll die. Like I love that that movie with Morgan Spurlock, uh, Super Size Me, where he starts out. He's like going to eat McDonald's three times a day for 30 days, and he goes to the doctor and he's like, "What do you think the repercussions of this diet will be?" As at the beginning, and the doctor's like, "Oh, well, your cholesterol will probably go up, but you should be fine," so on so. On. Then 30 days later, he comes back and the doctor looks at him and goes, "If you don't stop eating McDonald's, you are going to die." So you know. It, it, there are forces at work. And I'm not picking on McDonald's or Coca-Cola or any one company. It's an insidious and it's all around us. Do I think it's evil McDonald's? No. In fact, the book Grinding It Out by Ray A. Croc is is an amazing book, an amazing story of business. I highly recommend it. But but if you don't know who is in the room, I mean if you don't know who's the sucker in the room, you're the sucker. It depends on you know, I eat McDonald's once a year. <laughs> when I'm stuck somewhere with no food or middle of night, have you been drinking or something like that or, you know, out having fun. But in this sense, you and I have been turned into consumers. Consumers are not the highest category of people on the, on uh, the Forbes list of wealthiest people in the world, most successful people. No. One of the frameworks you're going to learn is make the world in your own image. You must make the world in a different image. You must sculpt your own life. Right. Rihanna doesn't have your best interest at heart. She wants you to download her music to listen to her. She's not a bad person or a good person. She's just a person. She's one of 7 billion people in a competitive world. It's Darwinian at some level. Right. And so you must adopt the frameworks of an investor. Stop calling yourself an entrepreneur. Call yourself an investor. Investors are focused on ROI, return on investment. Consumers are focused on being led like sheep to the slaughter. It's just like lead me. Oh, oh, okay. You show me commercials of this. Let me go buy that. Let me go get that. One thing I learned at the Amish, two and a half years with them, is they make their own destiny. Just because the world makes an iPhone, they don't think they have to need. They don't think, well, we need that. They look at it both sides. And I'm not arguing. I never, you know, was Amish in the sense. I lived with them for two and a half years. That's they're they're Christian, have their own religion. uh, I mean, you know, own version of Christianity. But they're amazing people, and that's one of the great lessons that I learned from them. You must control what you let in as an investor in terms of an investor mentality. I don't care if you're a musician, you're an artist, or what you are. This is the framework of success. You want success, my friend. Life is short. I cannot tell you. I always tell this story of Brian Acton, you know. He started Akamai. He was, a, he was this guy good at math and came over from Israel to the United States, went to MIT, partnered with his professor, had an idea on how to, Stream videos and images quickly around the internet. Came up with this company, Akamai. Talked Bill Gates. You know, everyone was – Steve Jobs was all interested in his technology. Made into a billion-dollar company. He was 31 years old. Self-made billionaire. He had a mother – I mean he had a, a wife and two children living happy on top of the world. They said he was going to be the next Bill Gates, the next Warren Buffett. But you know, if you study books like The Homer, Iliad, some of these classic books, there's an element, like I said, of life, of fate, and the brevity and short time that we have on this planet. And he got on a plane in Boston. Eight in the morning. September 11, 2001. He got up on a plane. And he was a big guy. Ex-military. So the terrorists, cowardly, st- got behind him in a chair. And killed him with those box cutters. He was the first man to die in September eleventh. They said he fought and began to fight back from the terrorists. He was a hero. And he lived an amazing life and it ended at 31 years old. You and I do not know how long we have on this earth. Fate is a fickle thing, my friend. You will be up and you will be down. But like the seven habits of highly successful people by Stephen Covey says, you must do what is in your control. What is in your control is what we're going to learn. You can control your mind. You can manage yourself, like Peter Drucker said. You can force and practice disciplines. You know, everyone here in Hollywood, you know, I'm surrounded by actors and people, personal trainers, and everyone wanting to look good to be on camera. And everybody's focused on six-pack abs, and I'm like, but what about a six-pack of the brain? Get a six-pack of the mind, my friend. You want to change the world? You want to change civilization? You want to live the good life, health, wealth, love, happiness, respect of your peers, Future, destiny, legacy, whatever word it is for you, wealth, prosperity, change, forcing justice upon injustices in the world, then you better get a six-pack of your brain, and that's what the 67 steps is all about. I'm not going to hand you, oh, go start this business. Like I said, there's people who make wealth. In any area, there's people who make it in yogurt. There was a billionaire last year. There's people who make it on talk shows. There's people who make it in real estate. There's people uh, – the Sarah Blakely bec- became a billionaire before 40 by selling tights. Whatever there is, you find your destiny and that's one of the parts. You must find what you're destined to do. You must find your body destiny. You must find your wealth destiny. You must find your social destiny. And you must find your happiness destiny. It's different for different people. Like I said, one of the great books or essays of all time, Freud, Civilization is Discontents, talks about we all have different constitutions. And we must find the happiness recipe that works for us, the good life recipe. Yours will be different than mine. Mine is more a blend of, you know, books and education and knowledge and respect of my peers and money making. And for some of you, you have a much better destiny. I mean, not a much better. You have a much bigger destiny than me. Some have big, some have small. Who cares? Your competition is with yourself. John Wooden, the great, greatest of all youth, uh, basketball co- college coaches, the most winning coach, he said, God only made one Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem was one of his, uh, students, seven foot two, amazing basketball player. Steve, uh, John Wooden was saying, not everyone will be him. You and I might not be the next Gandhi, the next, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. We may not be the next Stephen Hawking, but you could compete with yourself. Well, the greatest tragedy of our time, the greatest tragedy of your life will be one thing and one thing only lost potential time and potential are inextricably intertwined. They are one time is that one thing that none of us really will understand. My grandfather um, was a was a top scientist at, at Yale and around the world. And I remember I was a little boy, I didn't know him because my grandfather's story is also a story of lost potential. It's the tragedy. He smoked you know, my grandma said everybody smoked back in the forties, but my grandmother, she said the second the surgeon general published that, uh, you shouldn't smoke, my grandma stopped and my grandpa didn't. And my grandpa died when I was eight years old. You know, I have all these brothers that never got to meet this brilliant man and he was, his was cut off. He, he made a mistake. You cannot make mistakes, but my grandfather used to sit in a chair and tell me he'd say, Ty, you know, Einstein said if we could approach the speed of light, time would begin to slow down. If we could go past the speed of uh, light, maybe the, maybe we could go back in time. But he said the problem is – and I'm no physicist, so I may be explaining his words wrong. He said the problem is that the mass increases infinitely as you approach the speed of light so that you'll be infinitely heavy and we don't know how to, pro- how to have propulsion for something that's that heavy. So basically he said, my grandpa was saying – We probably will never be able to reverse time. There is no time reversal like Eleanor Roosevelt, the first lady president, you know, uh, Roosevelt's wife said, life is like a parachute jump. You must get it right the first time, my friend. This 67 steps will help you get it right and help you avoid the greatest of all tragedies. It's regret of potential down the drain. Love your life. Perfect your life. Perfect it beautify it, make it a beautiful piece of art. Pablo Picasso. He was a prolific person. He knew his destiny early. He followed many of the frameworks. In fact, some of the frameworks that I take are from Pablo Picasso. Great artist copy, uh, good artist copy, great artist steal. He had frameworks. He had sayings that he lived by. You know, rich friends, poor friends. My rich friends are constantly quoting other external sources. They're saying, I'm being humble enough to say there's other frameworks, there's other people's thoughts that I must incorporate into the – my poor friends never quote from anybody. They quote from themselves and their own opinions. Not too long ago, I had a, some friends over, and they were from my – cat old friends, and like I said, I don't judge my friends by their bank account. Friends are friends. I'm a loyal person, but I do find it ironic. There was a uh, – in my pool, we were all hanging out, and uh, a whole bunch of people was like a barbecue and you know guys and girls are here like five of my friend guy friends, and they were all the poor ones, my old friends they're not completely poor, but you know they know, they make they're not really financially successful and they were all sitting there arguing about opinions I forget what it was politics and i I was like, you guys are just spouting off your own opinions. One of the mental frameworks I'll give you is from where does all the pride come? I wanted to ask them, where does all the pride come? when will you why are you so opinionated?" You know, what accomplishments have you done that makes you so opinionated? I wanted to say to them, guys, start incorporating, read every textbook, every book available to you on all the political conversations before you can have one. Charlie Munger says one of the great frameworks of life is do not argue any point until you can argue the better, the opposite side better than your own. Do not argue atheism until you can argue Christianity or Islam or Judaism better than somebody who is an atheist. You know, believe in Christianity, Jew- Judaism, uh, better than you. Sorry, not atheist. If you are an atheist, make sure you can argue the other side. If you are a conservative or a liberal, make sure you can argue the other side. If you are somebody who is, you know, anti-capitalism, make sure you can argue capitalism before. And if you're a capitalist, make sure you read Karl Marx. That's part of being well-rounded. I've learned tremendous. I'm not a communist by any means, right? I'm more maybe libertarian. I don't even know. I don't really like politics, actually. So I don't associate very well with any of them because I think most politics violate these 67 steps of highly successful uh, people. You know, although there has been great politicians. I met Bill Clinton not too long ago at my friend's house. Amazing guy. (laughs) funny story i would i would my friend he still has secret service with him and i tried to sneak uh, my friend owned the house right it was at his house and i sneak he my friend's like come around the side and you can meet bill clinton gave a little talk on the back porch to like 40 fundraising people for when hillary was running for president this was a a few years ago and and so i go and my friend's like come around the Side here, And so I go around the side. I don't know why I'm going. You know, these Secret Service guys have like Uzis under their jacket. But I snuck around the side and I get there and and um, he says uh, Bill Clinton's walking back into the house. And I, I was like, I rarely am at a loss of words, as you can tell. And I'm rarely intimidated by anybody. But Bill Clinton, for some reason, I was like, this is, you know, former president of the United States, m- most powerful man in the world at one point. And I said, Mr. President, and he was walking in the house. I'll never forget. He walked into the house. I said, Mr. President, and he turned around and came back out, which I thought was I felt really intimidated there that I just called back that, you know, this guy, President Clinton. He comes back out and I thought he was going to say hi to me, but he yelled at his Secret Service and said, how did this guy get past you? So obviously I felt like an idiot cause the president of the United, former president of the United States is yelling at his secret service cause I'm standing in front of him. But then he got nice and is, I said, can I have a picture with you? And, uh, I didn't, have, this was, I just had a regular camera. It's a nightmare. It's such a sad story because the lost potential, right? I put my arm around the president. It was going to be the best, like, this is back, like, remember my Facebook or MySpace picture or whatever. Put my arm around him and I realized I didn't have anyone to take the picture and I, and this camera wasn't good for a selfie. So I had there's a secret service guy standing right there and I was like, can you take the picture? And he was like, I'm not really allowed to do this because you know, he's supposed to be protecting his life, but he took the camera and this is the nightmare of this story because I still have the picture. He put his finger over the lens and took a picture. So there's a picture with like, it looks like a black mark over my face. Anyway, little side note, I digress on that weird story, but my point is wh- whoever you are, Politics, whatever you want to do, one of the frameworks you must have is to be able to argue both sides, be liberal minded, not liberal in politics, but generous with your thought. That's one of the what you're going to learn. Scientific theory, we're going to go through many things. We're going to learn about reciprocity, Kantian fairness. We're going to learn you know, the rule of four. We're going to learn about the different energies and personality types that you must learn how to read. You're going to learn, like I said, from where does the pride come? You're going to learn my, the concept of scientific theory. You're going to learn the worth the damn factor. You're going to learn the law of 33%. You're going to learn the law of 5%. You're going to learn the 5% tweak. I've got many of these, many, many. You're going to learn the Picasso theory. As we talked about before, you're going to learn the concept of, you know, Michael Eisner talked about and partner. You're going to learn an investor mentality. I'm going to lay out a tremendous amount of material. Like I said, I will not be able to give uh, as I go through step, I'm not gonna go completely step by step through this full 67 things because it would take me about 67 or 100, at least 67 hours to go through all this. And I don't want to necessarily overwhelm people. You know, I put this out for free on my podcast. Some of you are listening. I put this on my YouTube channel. I give a lot of stuff away free. For some of you that are highly engaged, you know, I call that one of the things you're gonna learn. The 18% engagement factor, there's probably 20% of you who really resonate or really like what I'm saying. For those of you, I've got an academy. I don't like to pitch my stuff. This is not me trying to be salesy. But some of the 67 steps, they're really in-depth. I'm going to give you a good, like I said, I'm going to give you five, five hours or something like that. Uh I, I don't know exactly. I haven't recorded at all yet, all the other subsequent ones. But I have three or four or five things, uh, big talks that I give away free, and we'll go into some of those. For those of you really interested – you should join, I built something called this Academy, this Millionaire Mentor Academy. It's all that I've learned from, you know, whether it be reading or in-person mentors of mine or business partners I have or in my own experience. And I put it into this Academy. It's not very expensive. It's a white, yellow, blue, purple, brown, black belt level. You can come in at any level. Some of you should come in at white belt. Those of you who have not necessarily, you know, started or still trying to figure out what you do, some of you more advanced might want to start at the yellow, blue belt level. There's different, that costs some money. Okay, like I said, I'm not pitching that now, but I'm just saying I I never feel guilty for charging, by the way, so I'm not really apologizing for charging. That's a B.S. understanding of life. What Joel Souten told me, never give everything away free, Ty. It's great to give a lot away free. I give away a ton more than I probably should free, partly because I don't really do this part of my business for money. I own my own businesses that are real commercial enterprises that make me money, but You know, there's this Joel Salton and one of the things you're going to learn is the Pareto efficiency. You always want to avoid Pareto inefficiencies. Joel said never give everything away for free because it's a lose lose. You lose because your time is devalued and they lose because people only appreciate things they pay for. They actually did an interesting study of giving away very high quality like luxury goods for free and people got less enjoyment out of them. You know, so I never apologize for, uh, charging. So, but I don't, you know, I don't charge. It's not an arm a leg. You can come in at the white belt level very cheaply. I've got one of my poor friends. He's always complaining about money and he has no money. And I'm like, dude, I did the math. You spend $150 a month on Starbucks. Don't whine to me. You think like a consumer. That's consumer. I'm like, be an investor. Start a little coffee business and then you can drink coffee for free. That's what an investor does. You're going to learn a lot about that concept of investor. And also, I'm going to talk about the 30% educational budget. This is the most, one of the most important things you can ever do. I was at, remember I told you I was at this Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Warren Buffett wrote a book for children on how to make money. It's called like secret millionaire club. It's this little book. I bought it and I was reading the book and I'm like, my God, this isn't for children. This is for all the adults I know, including myself. And the first chapter says, the more you learn, the more you earn. So you should take 30% of all the money you make after you pay your taxes and your bills. 30% should be your educational budget Buy, I spent $32,000 last year on Amazon buying books. Now you don't mean you have to do that exactly like me. If you make a thousand dollars disposable income after you pay your bills and taxes every month, spend three hundred bucks on going to conferences, seminars, books, audio books, anything you can do. Don't be worried about being scammed. Everybody's like, Well, I don't want to go to this conference. What if it's a bad use of my thousand bucks? I'm like, what else are you gonna spend the the money on? That's called the misweighting bias. You misweight the importance of something. It's called the deprival biases. You don't want those biases working on your brain. Those are two more things you're going to learn in the 67 steps. The misweighting bias, the deprival bias. Who cares if you go to a conference and you spend 300 bucks and it's not worth all 300 bucks? Did you get one thing out of it? Did you reinvest? Is the ROI of your brain? Going up every day. Did you go to bed a little wiser, a little smarter? That's the secret. That's another framework you're gonna work, learn. There's two things. You gotta have in, and you gotta have out every day. Make sure you go to bed a little bit smarter. I didn't say a hell of a lot smarter. I said a little bit smarter. Because if you do that slowly, you will be surprised at what it adds up to. I know, just like investors. I know uh, Amish people that have never made more than thirty grand a year, and they're millionaires. Why? Step by step. Step by step, you get ahead, not necessarily in quick spurts. That's a Charlie Munger quote. And also, you must remove ignorance each day when you go to bed. So I'm going to remove ignorance right now. Quit worrying about spending money on anything educational. I'm not talking about buying my stuff. I'm talking about buying anything. You should be a big spender on Amazon. should be a big spender on anything. There's online courses everywhere make sure you're buying them one of the big key decisions i made back in 2001 i hadn't really made much money i bit you know been come out of mentorships traveled the world and i started lucky enough some of you know my story at my ted talk i i share my story um, if some of you want to listen to my ted talk but i was with this guy um mike Steinbeck, uh and i you know i i walked in his door i'd found him in a phone book big yellow page ad and I figured this guy must have money, and my uncle said, if you don't have any money, go mentor and learn from someone else. So I just walked in. Cold call to the blue. I walked in his office in Raleigh, North Carolina. I remember, 2840 Plaza Place, Raleigh, North Carolina. I walked in there. I forget what suite he was in, and I said, Mike, his secretary, Kathy, she opened the door, and I walked in, and I had bought – health insurance from them. That's how I got my foot in the door. And I said, hey, buy my health insurance, for Blue Cross Blue Shield. I was like 24. I wasn't on my parents' plan anymore. So I went in there, bought it. And then I said, can I have another talk with you? And he was a financial advisor. I said, Mike, you know, you, I picked you because you got a big full page yellow, uh, full page and yellow pages. So you must know how to make money because those are like 30 grand. I said, you don't know me, but if you teach me what you know, I'll work for you for free. And he was sitting in a chair look like Tom Selleck big mustache and he rolled his chair to the left and he looked me in the eyes i'll never forget what he said he said "Ty I've been looking for someone like you for 20 years show up in the morning and I'll teach you" and I went on and he showed me what he knew about becoming a millionaire and he helped me. He also connected me with a guy, Al Howe. I began to work for GE Capital. And I remember when I was working for GE Capital, I didn't have an MBA. Most people were, you know, in the GE Capital, the biggest company in the world at the time. And I was working in financial, but I became the number two guy when I was at GE Capital. I I eventually spun off a company with a guy named John Dewar. We we formed our own investment company. But uh, when I was there, what was the key? How I got so quick? Because usually you have to have connections in that business. Well, there was this product online, Corey Rudel. I'll never forget. It was, he had this car secrets online. He taught you how to use the internet to market things. And I spent, I think it was 197 or 297 bucks. And I remember I did not have a lot of money back then. It was like all my savings. I had like 50 bucks in my bank account. I somehow just conjured it up 200, 300 bucks, bought the course. And it showed me how to generate leads online. And I did. And I be, started with, uh Google AdWords in 2001, March, 2001, I was one of the first people to ever use Google AdWords and was able to generate it generated for me. Uh, You know, literally I became, like I said, the number two guy, G Capital. We're talking about massive business deals coming from that $300. That's all about ROI. You must be willing to invest. I'm not just talking about, like I said, money, but also time. You know, I, 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 don't have time to mentor a lot of people in person. Unfortunately, I do do some people that live here and James is a guy that I mentor and James Swanick has one of the top podcasts and Alpha Male Tribe and some of his own businesses. And, uh, you know, I, I talk about reading a book a day and most people have what Peter Drucker, the, the great business guru calls, uh, disabling ignorance. And I was talking to him and <clears throat> I was like, James, uh, you know, be you should read a book a day. And he's like, That's impossible. That's hard, that's hard. But slowly, one that day out of the blue, he just started texting me every day these images of books he's read, one a day. And I talk to him. He comes to my house and works here some in my home office, and we're talking, and I'm like, It's not that hard, is it? He's like, No, man, it's easy. I wish someone had told me this 20 years ago. I'm gonna tell you stuff that you wish someone had told you 20 years ago. For some of you, it's gonna be high. The delusion factor for all of us is very hard to deal with. The human brain wants to shield us from regrets and pain. So for you, okay, uh, some of what I say is going to be painful. It's sure as heck painful for me. If I could go back in time, boy, if I could go back in time and I could know the things that I am sh- have learned now, uh I would pay a million dollars for it without a hesitation. Now, you may not have a million dollars to invest in that. I'm not even asking for any money. Just give me your time. You must invest time. Don't be a fool. The average person watches TV three hours a day. Don't be that guy or that girl. Give me a break. There's no solution for you if that's you. You better get off it. I'm going to give you tough. (laughs) Like, I'm a big believer. Some of you have heard my talk on toughening up on YouTube, my podcast. You better toughen up a little bit, my friend. If you grew up. Uh, and your parents told you you're the center of the universe. I got harsh news for you. You live in a world of seven billion people. The increase in competition is only going up every day. Tens of thousands, if not more people go online. And you know what? In 10 years, economic competition is not going to come from your next door neighbor. It's going to come from poor, hungry kids that are listening to things like this, that are becoming sharp and are coming out of the slums and becoming billionaires in India and Africa and, you know, South America. These are going to be the people that are listening. So you better jump on it now or there's no help for you. You will not acquire resources. You will not make your mark on the world if you don't toughen up a little bit. If you want me to tell you that, you know, I'm not a big believer in the four-hour work week. I think uh, – uh, Tim Ferriss is a very, uh, genius person in many ways. I have fundamental disagreements in the four hour work week. If you, if you're big on the four hour work week, I'm gonna brain load, download onto you right now that the reason I'm not big on the four hour work week is a very simple one. I don't think it's true. You show me the examples of people leaving their mark on the world who work four hours a week. Nobody. And even if you do, you're already getting into a huge problem. Pablo Picasso said, avoid the dichotomy of life where you do what you don't like in order to make money to do things you do like. Joel Salatin told me that if you have to go on a vacation from what you do, never come back. Who do you want to be? The person trying to figure out how to work four hours a week so they can salsa dance and skip across China and India or or, or South America? Or do you want to be the person who's changing the world Building respect, building empires, but not empires of destruction, but empires of construct uh, of construction. Look at Oprah Winfrey. Wouldn't you want to be Oprah Winfrey every day? She tap dances to work. So does Warren Buffett. Do you think she works four hours of work? We could be like if I told you, oh, man, I got the greatest thing. I'm at the love of my life. This girl is beautiful. Uh, everything. She's intelligent. Everything I ever wanted. And I we're getting married. And you'd be like, oh, congratulations. And, but I said to you, and I got even better news. I'm only going to work with, I'm only going to spend four hours a week with her. I figured out a way to only spend four hours a week. Wouldn't you ask me, well, why are you marrying her in the first place? It's a fool's question. It doesn't work. Now, does that mean that I discount everything my, uh Tim Ferriss says? No, Tim Ferriss is a very sharp guy with tremendous good and momentum that he's built for entrepreneurs and a general mindset of, you know, hacking and doing things quicker if they can be done. But make no mistake, my friend. Warren Buffett started at seven. He was reading Benjamin Graham's book on the valuation of bonds. By 12 or 13, he had bought a farm. By 12, he had read every book in the library on the, the Omaha, Nebraska school system on on reading. He wasn't a billionaire till he was 57. It took him 50 years, and he is a 155 IQ plus guy. So it took him a lot of hours, not four hours a week. So I'm going to pre and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to spend time talking about four hour work week. I just bring it up because many of you coming from the internet and that mentality. Well, I got the truth for you, my friend, and you can disagree with anything I say. I have one rule. That's one of the frameworks. Debate is amazing. I, one of the frameworks you'll learn is I, as iron sharpens iron So a friend sharpens a friend, you will be strengthened by debate, but there's two kinds of debate. Most people have babbling debate Debate with me. Don't tell me your opinion. I'm not going to tell you my opinion. I'm going to back it up. I'm going to say let's just go straight to the top. Bill Gates said from age 20 to age 30, I never took one day off, not even one. But man, by 31, he was a billionaire, and he's changed the world both commercially – he's Created wealth from himself. He has a loving wife. But more importantly, he's eradicating disease and changing the uh, – removing poverty from vast swaths of the planet. Don't you want to be that guy? Not everything about him. And I love how people focus on the negative. When I bring up Arnold Schwarzenegger, they're going to focus on the one mistake he made. He apologized. He made a mistake. I'm not religious, but I quote from many religious people. As Jesus said, he of you is without sin cast the first stone if I look at Arnold Schwarzenegger's life or I look at Bill Gates life the general trend is amazing Arnold Schwarzenegger lived out every dream he wanted. He wanted to come to America from Austria. He wanted to be, you know, the strongest man in the world or the best bodybuilder. He became seven time Mr. Olympia. He wanted to be a self-made millionaire. He did that before 30 in real estate here in Santa Monica, California and a weight business. He was doing a, a, a mail order business before there was internet. Then he said he wanted to be the number one most recognized actor in the world. Then he wanted to be the first guy, the, the wealthiest. He signed a $29.7 million contract for Terminator 2. And he said, I want to be a, uh, the highest position i can in the united states without he couldn't be a president because he wasn't born here and he did he he said when he was a teenager he wanted to marry a kennedy he did he has children he's got the respect of the world is he perfect no but like i said doesn't mean you can't copy the great parts of his life i don't like mcdonald's what they stand for but read grinding it out i'm like this ray kroc guy was amazing i'm gonna leave out the bad and keep the good and that's what I want you to do in all these conversations. But come to me with evidence. If you can find evidence of anybody who's having their mark on the world who works four hours a week, including Tim Ferris, you bring them to me. And you bring me enough evidence. Don't find one out of a million. They might have inherited their money. Find me a consistent pattern. Elon Musk, you know, Cameron Diaz is my next-door neighbor, and Elon Musk was dating her, and he he sold PayPal, founded that. He sold it, and what did he do next? Uh He... Then built out a, uh, three businesses simultaneously. He's the only man to ever build three businesses worth a billion dollars simultaneously. Or not the only man in history. The only man, I think, alive right now. But he says, if you work a hundred hours when everyone else works forty hours, you'll accomplish in three or four months what takes most people a year. Right? That's not four-hour work week. Now, you might say, I don't want to work 100 hours a week, and I know why because you've never tapped dance to work. That's one of the 67 steps you're going to learn. You must find your business destiny so that you have massive energy and curiosity around it. The reason you want a vacation is because you're doing the wrong thing. Like Joel Salton said, if you have to go on – if you contemplate your vacation, don't ever come back. That's one thing you know, I love Europe, Europe is so much more advanced than the United States on so many things, whether it's you know environmental blah 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 whatever it is. I'm not comparing what country's the best, but one thing I've never liked about Europe is they're very obsessed with vacation now I'm not going to get into that argument that's not the point of the conversation. I will just say this: make your work your vacation every i I one of the luckiest things, and I feel fortunate. And life and, you know, one day my luck may run out. Fate is a fickle thing. But at this point in my life, the greatest thing that I love in my life is the fact that I get to travel, but I do it within a framework. I just came back from, you know, in the last couple months, I traveled to, I went to nine countries and, you know, a month or so. I spoke at the London Business School, the number two business school. I did the keynote speech on, entrep- on entrepreneur conference. Number two school after Harvard was around amazing people. It was amazing. I spoke to the keynote from like 11 to 1230. And I said, I'll take questions afterwards. And I didn't leave that place till 1030 at night. They kept me there for 10 hours, the students asking questions. I was in my element. I was in my flow. I enjoyed it. You think I would rather be on vacation sitting on a beach in Tahiti? I was already staying in, you know, Kensington, London, going around, being taken around by people. Then I went to Romania. I did TED Talk in Luxembourg. I went to, you know, Sweden and I was doing it all within the framework of my destiny and having fun and living the good life. If those of you go to my Instagram, my name is Instagram. I'm sorry. My name is, uh, Ty Lopez One. That's my, The number one, T-A-I-L-O-P-E-Z-1. Look at my Instagram and tell me if you think I live uh, an interesting life or an enjoyable life. I feel that I do. Lucky enough, like I said, my luck may run out. As of this call... I I still and man I have tremendous pressures and ups and downs. Do not think by any stretch that I feel like I've reached any level or modicum of put of my potential. I, I make sure I contrast myself. You're gonna learn the contrast by law of 33%. Focus on people way ahead of you, right? But you can have it all, my friend. That's the joy and the amazingness of the modern world that we live in. I always say. And this is one of the frameworks you'll learn all the uh, all of the amazing things at your fingertips, but nobody's using it. That's not going to be you. You're going to learn. You got everything you want. My grandma came across from Germany, had to, you know, get on a boat, never see her family for 10 years, escape from World War II, come to Yale. It, she got into Yale. It cost how much money? I don't know. It's super expensive. Now Yale's on YouTube. People complain to me that the world's not good. I'm like, hey, my friend, what year would you rather be alive in 1950s where black people couldn't even drink out of water fountains? That's how primitive society was even 50 years ago. You don't want to live in that world. You want to live in a world 150, 200 years ago where most women died from or the number one cause of death of women is doctors not washing their hands. And giving, uh, you know, delivering babies and you getting infected and dying. That's how horrible the world was. My grandma tells me she was born in 1918. She's still alive. She's 96. She said, when I was a kid after World War One, Germany was in such recession. We ate carrots all day. We turned orange. You want to live in that world? All of the joys of civilization at your fingertips. Are you using them? Or are you wasting the gift of time that you've been given? I got good news for you. The 67 steps is going to make sure. So I want you to begin to stay tuned. Listen to this again because this is important, not because I want you know, my hear my voice. That's not. I'm an irrelevant part of this. In the grand scheme of time, I will come and go and people will forget me. They will forget you too. But you can leave a legacy that will not be forgotten. My grandma always told me, you know, she's not religious. She said, Ty, the purpose of life is to be remembered. That's what humans want. You must be remembered. One of the frameworks you'll learn, the 67 steps, is the greater funeral theory. You can judge your life by how many people who show up at your birthday and how many people show up at your funeral. When Adolf Hitler died, he shot himself in a bunker in Berlin. Germany, whatever, 1944 or 42 or whatever year it was, he died alone. He had his girlfriend there and they killed each other and the world was happy at his death. No one was sad. Even his closest generals were happy that that moron was dead, right? You don't want to be that. You don't want to be alone at your birthdays and funerals. That's the judge of your life. The judge of your life is not whether you make a million dollars. It's not whether you have six-pack abs. It's not whether you have a boyfriend or girlfriend or a husband or wife that you love. It's not whether you are personally happy. This is the big-picture goal that we're talking about, civilization-changing thoughts. That's what I want to bring to you, not my own, but those of other people that are far beyond myself. But when Nelson Mandela died, the world wept. When uh, Mahatma Gandhi died, 500 million people in India mourned. That's what you should be striving towards. That's what will make you happy. We know this. Martin Seligman and Authentic Happiness. Like I said, I don't want to just spout these things off and not give you backup. Go read the book, The Research by Seligman on Authentic Happiness. What he learned under brain scanners that make humans happy. And one of them is having the right end game. You must have the right end game to get today correct. I don't care if you're 18. If you're 18, listen to this. You better get with it. 18's not young anymore. I got an email, I, I've got a million and a half people, like I said, on my on my list. And uh I I got this guy wrote me, uh this this person wrote me and said, Hey, I'm only making like forty thousand, thirty-five or forty thousand dollars a year. I've got an architecture company, could you help me? Blah, blah, blah. And I was reading it and it was, you know, I get lots of emails, hundreds of emails like this a day. And I was just reading it, and then the little PS said, Oh, and by the way, I'm fourteen, I just turned fifteen years old. Isn't that an amazing story? Already got a thirty-five, forty, fifty thousand dollars business. That's a kid that you want to be. And I don't care if you're four, if you're not fourteen, you could start today. Better late than never. There's success all over the spectrum. Starting younger is better. But you know, I wish I started younger. If someone had told me what I'm going to share with you, I, I I can't tell you how much further along this path I would be. It's a source of regret. Don't ever say. YOLO and don't have regrets if that's a fool's statement if you understand evolutionary psychology these emotions are adaptive they're purposeful you need to think about regret you don't need to be paralyzed by regret but let it sink in let the pain sink in enough to motivate you today to move forward I bet you you're like me you can see clear times where you squandered the gift of life that you've been given let's make today the day that you stop memorize these 67 frameworks you should have received uh depending on where you're listening this from you should have received the pdf with the basic outline now remember that's just an outline it's not going to explain everything there's no way i'm going to be able to put in a pdf a mind map all 67 steps but just begin to look at them because as you hear me talk over time you're going to begin to understand these i recommend you go to my podcast I've got a lot of stuff that goes along. Everything I do is kind of along these sixty-seven steps. It's the Ty Lopez show. It's Grand Theory of Everything on iTunes, Stitcher, BlackBerry. Uh, also, if you want to talk to me a lot, of, Ty uh, at Ty Lopez on Twitter. I've got about 170,000 Twitter followers. I interact with them. I answer questions as best I can. Instagram is Lopez one my YouTube channel, Ty Lopez Official, my Facebook. But most important, go to my website, TaiLopez.com. You can see everything there. Join – it, and this is not a plug for anything. This will be helpful. I've got my book of the day. I read a book a day. Like I said, I've read many thousands of books. I'm sitting here actually in front of my library with about 150 books I want to read on the floor here in front of me, everything from the end of food to – you Can Farm by Joel Salatin, Jeannie Buss' book, Growing Young with HGH, The Spy Who Jumped Off the Ship, Connecting in the In Crowd, Milton Friedman book, Second World War. I read Eclectic, Michael Eisner's partner book I want to read again. So I have this book of the day, free email, million and a half people in 40 countries. I did my TED Talk on this um, and – or somewhat on this. And just put your email in there. It's completely free. There's no gimmick to it. And get on my book of the day because that's a, one of the foundational things. Uh Warren Buffett and Bill Gates were asked if they could have any one superpower. What would it be? And theirs is like to be the fastest reader in the world because you can learn from without and bring in the da- – you can download into your brain right now the consciousness, the brain power, the intelligence, the experience, the mistakes of the greatest people in the world. You don't want to learn through your own mistakes like Buffett says. We only learn from mistakes, but it's a hell of a lot better to learn from somebody else's. You'll run out of time. You'll be like the Dutch saying too soon, old, too late, smart, learn from others. So if you don't have time to read a book a day, I'll do it for you. You still should read on your own. This is not a replacement for that, but this is a supplement. I do some, and I don't put, I read a book a day. I don't get time always to write a summary every day, but I send, you know, three or four summaries a week. You can skip them or read them, read the ones that are relevant to you. I read on health, wealth, love, happiness. So tylopez.com, go there my podcast, my YouTube, Twitter's great source, Facebook, Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn, Pinterest, whatever. I go crazy trying to keep track. (laughs) I have to, I got nine assistants that help me with my stuff and a couple of them just do social all the time. So, uh, it's kind of mind blowing the world we live in, right? Everything. But you know, the upside is if you guys have a good message for you personally that you want to share with the world, something amazing that you're going to do, the beauty of the modern world is you can reach people as you never could before. That's the two-sided, you know, two-edged sword. So check that out. For some of you, like I said, on Tyleropiz.com, I recommend you do the Millionaire Mentor Academy. It's the stuff I would have paid a million bucks for. It's not that expensive. For those 20% of you listening to this that are highly engaged, go to tylopes.com. I think there's a link somewhere my staff put on called Millionaire Mentor. Click there. There's a little talk I give on the, what you're going to learn. Get in the academy. I mean, it's amazing how many lives are being changed by this academy. I charge money for that. Like I give away about 70%. I like the freemium model. Some of you are business looking at different business models. My personal model, I'm transparent with it. I do freemium, give 70% of my stuff away for free. But the highly engaged people I want to spend more time with, more focus, I record extra and do more work even one-on-one uh, with those people, and that's 30% as I charge some money. If you are completely broke, by the way, uh, email me, and I do scholarships, you know, Sometimes I give people – I still charge like a dollar a month for some people. But let me say this. Do not try to trick me. I do not consider – uh I do not give scholarship for people who are just like, oh, I don't have the money for that. That's not. I'm talking about if you truly – if you're 15 years old listening to this and you're living out of a car homeless with your mom and you're somehow at the library listening to my YouTube, you will get this. I'm probably still going to charge you a buck. We can give the money to charity. I don't care. We only value what we believe in. But don't come to me asking for a scholarship, please. If you're spending money on car payments, nice car, I'm like Joel Souten told me, first, everybody wants to be me, Ty. But for the first uh, seven years of my marriage, I lived in my that the attic of my parents' house so I could live on a $100 a month so me and my wife could save money for our, our empire. We grew our own food. We do that. So you can cut your costs. On education, but if you are truly in need, I definitely, uh, will make a place for you in the academy. In fact, we're actually building out a charitable side to work with people that the world's given up on. I want to take, you know, homeless kids in Pakistan and I want to take, you know, homeless kids in, in Los Angeles and, and revolutionize the world because there's amazing talent. My dad lived a crazy life. He was in prison when I was born, did a lot of bad, but did some good things. I wasn't that close to my dad, but he was top bodybuilder in the world. One of the top, that was a good thing. And, and he, he wasn't much of my life. My stepdad was more, but my my dad told me once, he said, you know, never look down on any man. You know, he said, well, I was, I've been homeless and I've been rich. That's what my dad told me. And he said, you never know who that guy is. So if you are truly down and out, the academy will be free or very low. Everyone else. Do not be cheap with me. I do not like cheap people. I I do not charge an arm and a leg. It's a fair price. But anyway, I don't want to talk too much about that. That's for another conversation. This is for the free stuff. 67 secrets. 67 steps. Get these in your head. Remember, it's in the brain that it starts. And then from there, you must build massive skill. This is the first part, the planning. The skill will come over time for you. The skill will come from focus. The skill will come from knowing what you're doing. First, get the plan going. That's what I want to help you with. Eventually, you know, the academy is more about skill, uh, how to build the actual skill. Um, but I, you got to get this down first. So please take the time. Be an investor. Do not be a consumer. If you don't know who the sucker is in a room, you're the sucker. Never be the sucker. Look at your bank statement, what you spent money on last month. Do a time log. You want to do something scary. I call it the law of 33%. You should be spending 33% of your time should be spent with people that are 10 years uh, below you, less accomplished. Right? It will serve two purposes. One is, you'll feel better about yourself to realize some people are worth doing worse than you. That's a self-esteem issue. The second reason, okay, is you can help those people. Then you should spend 33% of, pe- of your time with people on your level. This is a some, law of 33%. You're going to learn more. I'll talk about it for a second. People on your level, as Mahatma Gandhi says in his autobiography, on the rise to the top, it will get lonely. You must have friends and allies. Those are the people on your level. But you must spend 33% of your time with people 10 or 20 years ahead of where you want to be. Humans don't learn visually. They don't learn audially. audially they don't learn through uh, kinesthetic. They learn through osmosis. It rubs off them. When I was on a farm with the Amish, I saw a mother cow doesn't teach the baby cow. No chalkboard, no words. But over time, it rubs off. You must find a mentor you must find things that rub off so don't not only do an audit of your money but have you done a time audit? I don't care if you're making a million bucks a year you know there's always someone better than you I got a friend making a million dollars a day have you done that if not my friend is a genius he always contrasts himself with people better than even though he's making a million dollars a day in his business build a billion dollar company in six or seven years from zero he told me you know the other day, he texted me. He's like, oh, man, I'm so discouraged. I'm not doing so well. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I'm at this conference, the Google conference. I'm with all the, you know, Sergey Brin and Larry Page. And I'm with this Korean kid who's 30, already made $3 billion. I haven't made that. And So my friend's wise. He's humble enough to realize, I don't care who you are on this. Unless you're Michael Jordan, truly the best basketball player of all time. Unless you're actually, you know, Sam Walton and you made $160 billion, For all the rest of us mortals, there's many People to look up to. And even Walton looked up to people. Even Michael Jordan looked up to people. Look up, my friend. That's a 67 steps. Be careful with your time and your money. Be an investor. Invest in things that have a return on investment. I'll leave you with this last story. When I was 18 years old, I was with this Dr. Gordon Hazard. And uh I can't remember if I already I've been talking so long, I can't remember if I told this story already, but if I did. (laughs) <laughs> I think I did a radio program earlier today, so I might be blurring this together. But I'll tell the story again because it's important for me to remember and you remember. So, 18 years old. I was with Dr. Gordon Hazard, one of the wealthiest men in Mississippi, and, and, in, and, and really one of the wealthiest guys in the United States. And we're in his pickup truck. He's a rancher. We're driving out over his land. He said, you see all this land, Ty? I said, every day I go to bed, and when I wake up, that land's gone up in value. It appreciates. I'm a little richer when I wake up. He said, you see all those cows out there? Well, the sun shines every day, and the rain falls, and the grass grows, and those cows eat the grass. And every day they get a little heavier, and I sell them by the pound, so I get wealthier every day. It appreciates. They appreciate. And he said, you know, this pickup truck that I'm in, it depreciates. He said, I have three things that I own that depreciate. They rust, rot, and depreciate. He said, this truck, this old pickup truck, shovel and hammer. And he said, if times get tough and there's a recession, I can sell the hammer. And he said, Ty, never invest in things that Russ Rotten appreciate. The average American has $33,000 in car debt. Who's the sucker? Are you the sucker? I've been the sucker with cars. You buy a new car, you drive off the lot, he loses 40% of value overnight. Who's the sucker there? Buy a nice used car. Who cares? Warren Buffett makes $70 million a year personal income. his dividends and he bought a hail dented car because he got it for half price he's not a sucker don't be a sucker suckers are suckers with their money and suckers with their time you be an investor not a consumer be liberal with your money when it's you should be penny wise dollar foolish be liberal with your time when you should be and stingy when you're around fools if you've got to get on a plane, I remember getting on a plane traveling from North uh, Virginia to Tasmania, a little island off Australia, and driving five hours across from Lancashire, Tasmania, to meet a guy, Bill Mollison. to He was a famous guru in the permaculture, kind of sustainable agriculture energy world, and I wanted to meet him. And I was young. I didn't have much money, and I took, what, little money? I ran out of money on that trip in New Zealand. I had to shear sheep to make enough money to get my way back. But you know what? I had learned from Joel Salatin, invest your time and your money. If you've got to travel somewhere, do it. Alan, uh, Al Howe at GE told me, said, I've been worked with a lot of millionaires in my day. He's a top financial advisor. He said, the difference between successful people and others, and this is the last of the 67 steps we'll talk about today. There will be more later, is that successful people just do the stuff that nobody else will do. That's got to be you. I hope this has been helpful. Stay tuned for the rest. If you uh, are on this video or listening to this podcast and you happen to not get the rest, they're available on my site, tylopez.com. Make sure you get the continual adapted version of my download, my mind map also on the 67 steps. For some of you, join the academy if it makes sense for you. Uh, and for others of you that just need to, to get all the other stuff for free, feel free to do that uh join me on twitter but join my uh, book of the day thing that's what the great that's the best action plan you can do next cuz i talk about these 67 steps over time tylopez.com thank you so much be strong remember love your life perfect your life beautify all things in your life and if you're listening to this on my podcast do me a huge favor i don't ask for many favors this is one of them if you enjoyed this would you mind uh Whether YouTube or wherever you are podcast, could you leave me, if you're on podcast, could you leave me a review? Whatever you think. However, subscribe to my podcast, Ty Lopez, Grand Theory of Everything, and then leave me however many stars, one through five, you thought I was. Be honest, I'm not going to ask you, tell you what to say. Leave me a comment, that helps me a lot. If you're on YouTube, interact, uh, leave me comments. I love to hear what I should be changing, what's good, what's bad. So if you could do that, if you're on my website, same thing, leave a comment wherever you are. That's the one thing I would ask from you. If you're on my podcast, just leave me some feedback, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you are on my website, this should be a place to comment or leave a note that helps me a lot. And, uh, thank you so much.